Hi, and welcome back to The Voice of Healthcare, episode 16. This is Friday, October the 26th, 2018. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. My co-host on The Voice of Healthcare is none other than Dr. Matt Sobolski. Matt, say hello. Hello, world. I am super excited about today's show, a special edition. We, we are very fortunate to have, as part of the show today, a panel of experts from the pharmaceutical industry. This is the special pharma edition of The Voice of Healthcare. We're going to take a moment and let each of the three panelists introduce themselves, introduce uh, their company, their title, and what they do. We're going to start with Dave Bolvenschulte. Dave, say hello. Hello, Brad and Dr. Sobolski. Yeah, Dave, thank you for joining us. Uh, greatly appreciate that. Walk us through uh, who you are, what you do. Share with us your background. Sure. My name's Dave Bovenschulte. I'm a VP of strategy at Click Health. Um, very excited. Uh, we were recently named by MM&M uh, as Large Healthcare Agency of the Year. Um, and I, I work there um, uh, as a VP of strategy with clients, um, but we've been doing a lot of forward thinking right now um, in the voice space. So very excited to be here and talk about it. Um, recently, just uh, we were at Click Health, we were sponsors of Voice.Health uh, up in Boston, where there was some uh, great panels of folks and uh, continued to learn more. Um, so yeah, very excited to be here with uh, my uh, distinguished colleagues and uh, talk about where uh, Pharma and voice are going in the future. Excellent. Appreciate you taking the time. Our second guest is Dan Gandor. Dan, say hello. Hi, uh, my name is Dan Gander. I'm Director of Digital Innovation and Corporate Program Management for Takeda Pharmaceuticals USA. It's a bit of a mouthful, I know, but I'm responsible ultimately for driving innovative uses of digital technologies and channels to create better experiences for our customers, be it patients, prescribers, payers, you name it. At the, end of the day, at the end of the day, Takeda's been around for over 237 years trying to create a better health and a brighter, brighter future for patients worldwide. And we feel that digital can be at the core of that experience, at the core of what our value proposition can be. So I'm excited to be here and look forward to uh, chatting with you all. Dan, thank you for being here as well. Our third guest is Michael Spitz, a.k.a. Spitz. Pleased to have uh, you on the show, Michael. Uh, take a moment, um, share with us what you do uh, and who you do it with, your background as well. Very excited, honored to be here, uh, Matt and Brad. Thank you for having all of us. Uh, I am the chief strategist at Blitz Strategy, and uh, we are really operating at the convergence of healthcare communications and technology. For the past 15 years, especially over the last five, we've had this super convergence of all three, um, clinical data, clinical information, uh, the value that the pharmaceutical and device industry provides in terms of providing increasingly enhanced and effective treatments for millions of people, largely through a product of technological innovation. And uh, where the two meet is in communications. And that's really been my specialty over the last couple decades in terms of connecting the dots between uh, the great things that pharma and device are doing 
uh, the technology that has facilitated it. And then the messaging and communications and customer support engendered through marketing, PR, and customer service. So the idea of the voice of healthcare really driving that juggernaut forward is provocative and exciting. It is really the cutting edge, and it's an emerging tech that the pharmaceutical and device industry uh, is already leaping into. So uh, looking forward to sharing some of my expertise, discussing some cases, and really rolling up our sleeves uh, this morning in terms of getting a better understanding of what the industry is doing and how we can ultimately provide support and value to literally just hundreds of millions of people throughout the world through, through voice in ways that only a few years ago wasn't even considered possible. Spibbs, thank you for joining us. We're honored to have all three of you join us for the Voice of Healthcare. Greatly appreciate it. So this is the special pharma edition of the Voice of Healthcare. So to me, we have to start simply asking the question of where are we in terms of the intersection of the pharmaceutical industry and this emerging field of voice-first technology and I'm going to go through the panel. Dave, I'm going to start with you, then go to Dan, then go to Spitz. Paint us a picture of, as we're heading into the end of year 2018, um, heading into 2019, voice has come a long way, but where are we? What is the state of the union of pharma and voice? Has there been a lot of ground gained? Uh, is there a lot of challenges in the way that need to be overcome before we can see big gains? And maybe point out, um, you know, what you think one of the biggest successes so far has been. But tell us where you think we are. And Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, thanks, Brad. You know, it's interesting. I just saw uh, some data this morning that was looking at just, you know, voice technology and a broader adoption, not even within health and saying that, the U.S. is probably just moving from like an early adopter phase to an early majority phase. Um, and, and is right now, you know, North America beating sort of the, the leading region of the world with that. Um, but when I kind of dial it back to, you know, the, the healthcare space and what we're doing, I can say that um, currently working with um, a variety of different uh, pharma clients who are um, all very excited about the potential for voice um, and what it means, um, you know, uh, very excited to, um, to spend some time right now really on, on like discovering what that true potential is. So there's a lot of planning, um, some uh, small pilots, right, that have kicked off as well. But, um, you know, nobody's got, um, uh, has deployed anything right yet. Um, we haven't pushed out uh, voice experiences to, um, to HCPs uh, or to patients um, in any sort of like uh, discreet way. Um, so, you know, we're still learning, we're still in that, but I think there's a lot of questions hopefully we'll get into in the discussion today about um, how that will um, take form, right, um, within the, the pharma space and, uh, and, you know, how we see sort of that intersection that Spitz was just talking to of, of uh, pharma companies providing, um, you know, value and use to both patients and doctors, um, but finding sort of that right sweet spot to, um, to exist in. Yeah, I would uh, generally tend to agree. I, I feel we're definitely in an infancy state when it comes to kind of voice interfaces and the voice channel. Um, that being said, I, I think voice, and at least from the pharma point of view, we think about it just like any other engagement channel or interface. Um, and so in a way, you know, this is maybe where we were with social media uh, seven, eight years ago. 
Um, but I, I think the one interesting and different thing with voice is that the pace of adoption and the pace of innovation, I think is actually faster with voice um, and this new channel than any of the other previous channels. Um, and actually I think pharma is better and the industry at large is better equipped to be able to take advantage of this channel um, faster than before. So although I agree, I haven't seen a ton of outward facing uh, initiatives, um, especially from the pharma industry quite yet. I know that we're actively discussing it and thinking about some internal and external pilots um, much quicker than we did uh, with previous technologies. So that's, that's, I think, what's different and pretty exciting about voice in general. Uh, the elephant in the room facing uh, the pharma industry and healthcare in general revolves around medical, legal, and regulatory compliance. And I think we should bring this up for all listeners, especially focusing on the pharmaceutical industry in terms of the fairly restrictive communication environment that the entire industry is subject to. So FDA, OPDP compliance is paramount. Um, it's the kind of situation where if you even mention a drug name uh, and imply what the drug does, uh, that is automatically making a claim. When you make a claim in this regulated environment for consumer protection, it's mandatory that what we call fair balance is also shared, which is going through the litany of side effects and potential safety concern that accompany the efficacy information. So consumers are familiar with this when you see a broadcast TV ad and then you have the voiceover outlining all of the potential side effects and the like. And the reason I bring this up is that uh, the industry, I think, has been fairly courageous. Um, you know, as Dan was mentioning, Dave was talking about in terms of running pilots and experimenting within voice. Uh, but at the same time, has to be extremely cautious because of this environment where a lot of information is contingent upon sharing additional data and content that other folks within customer service don't have to. So as we're going to discuss throughout the course of this podcast, it's really a matter of finding an equitable balance between what we can do uh, within this fairly restrictive um, environment of communication and what's possible and what's actually necessary in terms of facilitating and encouraging that kind of healthcare professional, patient, and caregiver support. So again, I echo their sentiments that um, the field is nascent, but as we'll see and discuss uh, in a few seconds, uh, there's tons of opportunity uh, that's already being explored. You know, I think in addition to a complicated, you know, regulatory um, set of concerns, those in a big way, right, ladder up to um, the issue of trust, right? If you think sort of about the, 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 the broader um, modal shift here, right, to um, talking, <laughs> right, to, to computers and being able to uh, kind of ask those questions, Sort of like the early days of, of Google search where, you know, Google hit on this insight of the quality of, of backlinks, right? And that um, generated better results, right? So we, we trusted Google as an agent of authority, right, to help us get there. Um, I think that's like an, another one of the big um, hurdles that we're, we've got to kind of figure out um, in where healthcare and voice intersect. Um, you know, I saw some, some recent HCP survey data that was asking, you know, um, 
how likely would you be to use a voice controlled uh, clinical support system? And, you know, the, the things that, that emerge at the top of that survey, like independent medical information providers and the government of hospitals, you know, are, are all around or hovering at 50%. But uh, for pharma companies, the number was 17%. So um, now is that it's a challenge across, I think, all healthcare communications, right? And, and trying to build up that, that trust. But um, that's definitely going to be um, a, a, a big factor, right, in, in terms of, um, uh, you know, where pharma operates within the voice space right? and, and, and how do we build that trust and that authority as an agent? Actually, I'm glad you bring up, uh, Dave, that, that element of trust because, um, as Spitz was saying, you know, with that fair balance and you watch any TV commercial and 45 to 50 seconds of that 60 second spot is taken up with fair balance and important safety information. And that wouldn't fly with voice. Uh, a, nobody has the time for that. But I think what at least I've come to expect with voice interfaces now is, you know, the perfect amount of quick information and or basically just a response for a request. And to come back with you know, 45 to 60 seconds of additional uh, information, which may not, which may technically be relevant, but may not seem relevant to the end customer is going to definitely decay that trust. And certainly, you know, I think that's acceptable when it comes to TV, because we're all used to tons of commercials and wasting our time or fast forwarding through them. But with a channel like voice, it's so much more important to think about the ultimate end user experience and to make sure that we're delivering what we say we're going to deliver when the consumer wants it. And that's that's going to definitely be a challenge with our with our regulated space. Yeah, just to, just to carry on what Dan was mentioning, uh, that's really where the essence of the opportunity is. Um, on the one hand, because of the restrictions that are implicit, but moving forward, there's an opportunity to make the value that pharma provides in terms of offering these amazing treatments as part of the contextualized experience of patients and their caregivers throughout the continuum of their needs. So where success has already happened within the healthcare space is doing exactly what Dan and Dave were recommending, which is engendering trust through contextually relevant bits of information accessible intuitively and naturally through voice in a way that's powerfully relevant for the consumer of that healthcare information in real time where they're at in their journey. So for example, the company HealthTap um, has a Dr. AI Alexa skill uh, where you know, a, a, a consumer can just literally verbalize um, symptoms and problems that they're having. And the app will make concrete recommendations about next steps. Um, on the podcast here, you featured Boston Children's Hospital as an amazing integrated startup. And they also have an Alexa skill where literally parents can access instantaneously uh, dosing information, for example, for their children and their medications. So in summary, we're going to see less of um, those heavy-handed, if you will, pharma ads with loads of voiceover side effects because it's just not feasible within the interface. And we're going to see more and more of this integrated, fully, fully useful information that's, um, that's relevant and actionable for, uh, for consumers uh, throughout their journey. That's an interesting insight about the ads. I hadn't thought about the 
compression of all the, you know, all the legalese that has to go into these pharmaceutical ads, like someone like the micro machines guy, you know, reading, uh, reading through all the side effects that you might get from taking this drug and all that and how that doesn't work with, with voice ecosystems. That's a, that's interesting. I had not considered that, but let's talk about, um, let's talk about the subject of trust when it comes to drugs, when it comes to medicine, uh, you know, not being part of the industry myself, I can certainly tell you trust, trust is, is going to be everything in terms of, you know, whether I would use a system like this, you know, whether I would engage with, with voice, with some sort of service to provide pharmaceuticals or, or health advice. And I want to specifically ask about Amazon's acquisition of PillPack. So Amazon is sort of a strange animal. Uh, they're a trusted company from the standpoint of the fact that their entire DNA corporately is built around customer advocacy. So the whole company's history is built on how do we lower price for the customer? Relentlessly lower price. How do we relentlessly provide customer service um, whether it's returns, whether it's refunds, whatever it is, how do we look after the customer? So Amazon, after years and years, has built up a very unique amount of trust, despite the fact that they are a huge tech juggernaut, which sort of erodes that a little bit. Still, they've got a positive equity column, you know, for trust. This summer, they went out and acquired PillPack for just about a billion dollars. Uh, they also started a new healthcare venture it's very clear that they're going to connect the dots here. Alexa, which is their number one focus, is going to get integrated with PillPack, is going to get integrated with their healthcare venture, and all of a sudden it's going to open doors to new possibilities. And Spitz, I'm going to start with you and then go to Dan and then go to Dave. What do you see, what are your thoughts as you look at what Amazon has done this year with regards to PillPack and in the healthcare realm and the pharma realm? Um, and does it excite you about the future of voice with pharma or does it give you a pause or what's your reaction? I think that the acquisition reinforces that feeling of excitement and transformative technological and healthcare revolution that, that I think everyone on the panel here is incredibly excited about. If we take a look at Jeff Bezos and his overall strategy for the last few decades, uh, it has really been about organically growing his company, responding to need, but always with a very data-driven technological focus. Uh, if you look at the profitability of Amazon Web Services, uh, basically the back-end data company of Amazon, it's probably about an order of magnitude more profitable than the forward-facing Amazon shopping experience that most folks are familiar with. And I think that that's poignantly relevant for our conversation here because being able to do healthcare and do it well is essentially a data-driven and data-focused kind of service. So all the privacy and security concerns aside about personal health information and the like, uh, you can't have convenience and immediacy and responsiveness, which is what everyone's come to expect with regard to all digital services, without the capacity to share 
information. And now within the financial services industry, within healthcare, it's particularly sensitive. But Amazon's move into the space with this acquisition, with um, Apple's recent uh, updates and integration of their health kit, their watch and variables, wearables, we're seeing a really exciting transformative moment where all of these opportunities are converging. So the acquisition of PillPack is really the hat tip and at the same time, the, the bridgehead of Amazon and all data-driven companies to embrace this opportunity for personalized, immediate healthcare. And going by way of the pharmacy, to your, to your great, great point, Matt, I think is, uh, is, is really the way to go through this. So I think it's, it's, it's thumbs up. It's giving many companies pause, both from a retail point of view. Um, I know CVS is probably freaking out <laughs> by this acquisition, but it holds tremendous promise. And then when we talk specifically about the voice-driven uh, interface, um, obviously uh, Alexa is, uh, is, is the interface that, that Amazon is banking on. And as we've seen, they've already already attained quite some success even in healthcare. So when you connect all the dots between all of this, um, it's really a, a, a point to the future that's happening right now. Um, I've heard that you know part of Amazon's mission is to basically provide anything and everything to consumers um, with as least amount of friction as possible, reducing the friction to get that stuff, um, to get the, the stuff that one needs. Um, so it's not surprising that they're moving into the healthcare space, and it's not surprising they're they're moving into it with regard to kind of the the, the physical product of it, the, the medications. And I think PillPack does obviously a great job in terms of reducing the friction uh, for patients, not in terms not only in terms of just delivering the medication to the patient when they need it, but then delivering it in a mechanism that makes it easier for them to take it uh, day in and day out. Um, what I think this is actually also indicative of is the continued progress towards telemedicine and virtual care and care outside of just the clinic and maybe even outside of you know, the pharmacy. Um, and so, and obviously with all the data that Amazon has behind it, um, they can really craft that to, as, as Spitz said, understand and create a personalized health experience uh, for patients. What it also begins to create is really predictions and, and predictive health so that, you know, now they know not only what patients are taking, but how often they're taking them and more data behind that. And I think voice as an interface to kind of engage not only with Amazon or back to the pharma company, but back to the prescriber and other healthcare professionals associated with that patient, that becomes a, an amazing closed loop um, between healthcare provider, the patient, uh, the the company that's providing the medications that they need and delivering it in an effective and efficient way through things like PillPack. Um, I, I think it's just ripe for so many opportunities, and it's really indicative of kind of the revolution that's occurring uh, within healthcare. And it's definitely an exciting time. It's very yeah. exciting time. I think, uh, Dave, I want you to follow up in just a second, but just as an add-on and to finish this part of the panel, let's keep in mind that we should always move towards the idea that there's just care. There's not care inside of an organization. There's not care outside of it. There's not care with an interface that's voice enabled or screen enabled. There's just care. And these are tools for us to optimize that care for people and for patients. 
uh, it's an exciting time for an idea that means we're connected all the time to a patient. So Dave, I want to hear what you have to say, and then I want to follow up with another question. Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, the the other um, recent move with Amazon was the patent that they just filed on October 10th called Detecting Physical and Emotional Well-Being of Users Based on Interactions Captured in Voice Data, which is um, a, a long sentence that basically says, you know, we're going to listen for physical um, signs, right, that you might be in some kind of health distress. It could be I'm coughing, right, while I'm talking to Alexa. And so you think of um, that combined with the sentiment, right, that Amazon's actual, uh, also capturing across like your complete experience Sorry, with them. I'm not sure about that. I've got Alexa answering me. Um, <laughs> the, um, it, it, it's just the, the potential is huge. Um, but, you know, what, one thing I do kind of want to just go back to is I think there's still um, a gray area, which is um, we're going to be interacting with a number of different virtual assistants that are going to be assisting us in, in our health decisions. And, you know, right now when you talk to Alexa, you, you're hearing that same Alexa voice, right? It's um, uh, speaking to you, giving you information that could be coming from Wikipedia. It could be information that's coming from a specific skill that you've enabled, right, within the experience. Um, and so I think there's going to be questions whether you're a healthcare provider or whether you're on the patient side of, well, in that domain, right, with that virtual assistant I'm talking to, what do they have access to and what do they know? And, um, you know, it's still early days. You know, I think that's going to be a very different experience from walking into a hospital and having a virtual assistant who's greeting you, you know, in the emergency room and asking you questions about why you're there or you're going to your doctor appointment, right? And so we're going to be, we're going to have to learn, like, how, how are patients thinking about those spaces, right? What do they feel comfortable revealing in those conversations um, with these different agents, Um that, um, you know, all may know a little bit about me or may know quite a bit about me. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating point. I also would add that, um, you know, we're going to have to even change our own uh, sort of perceptions of going to a place to get care. Uh, there's going to be an interface that allows us to do it where we stand. Um, and then secondary to that, we might need to go somewhere to have the uh, procedure or pick up a medication. Um, this has been a great discussion so far. I have another question and I'm kind of going to put the panelists on the spot for some, um, tangibility around some of the things you've talked about. We talked about trust. We talked about multiple voice interfaces that are available. We talked about how the pharmaceutical industry is definitely embracing the idea of the coming wave of voice inter intervention and interaction with patients. I think the question I've got is one of an imaginative nature. And I think the audience would really appreciate, I know, hearing from all of your, you experts about how voice interfaces might work. If I'm taking a certain sort of pharmaceutical, when it shows up in a pill pack or when I pick it up from CVS, what, what does a voice interface add to my well-being, my effectiveness, my sense of privacy, my sense of well-being uh, with a pharmaceutical of any type that I'm administering to myself. If you guys could walk us through your ideas of how you would envision that happening, I think it'd be fascinating to hear. If you think about sort of a day in the life of a patient, right? There's so many ways that voice, right? And health come together. You know, I could wake up in the morning and my smart device has been measuring my EKG all night and is letting me know that, um, 
you know, I have normal readings. Uh, it could ask me, do I want a report of that reading, you know, sent out to my doctor that morning? Uh, I get up in my day and I start, you know, engaging my activities and maybe I'm using a, a glucose monitoring device that's remotely connected um, to my, my health apps. And it's letting me know that my A1C is a bit higher that day. And then asking me, you know, did I take my, my, you know, my med my uh, diabetes medication that morning or not. I think like those type of natural integrations um, throughout the day are where this is going to ultimately go. Um, and the example I just used there is where I think, you know, around like a diabetes medication and um, whether, you know, it's yes, pill pack dispensed for you this morning, but we don't know if you actually took the medication um, to new devices like pillow, where there's actually a camera on the dispenser um, that's going to look to see, uh, did I actually, you know, take the medication? Um, so, um, you know, like I said, I think it's early days still, but I think that um, it's an exciting vision for, um, you know, how pharma can be a, a useful, productive part of helping uh, patients manage their healthcare. As a healthcare marketer, I'll admit that I think our industry has built plenty of apps that nobody downloads because it's either too self-serving or even if it's valuable in isolation, it doesn't fit within a patient's or customer's workflow or journey. And I, and I kind of see voice skills as being no different. And the more successful apps are the ones that integrate, uh, and Davey touched on this, with wearables or health kit data or the ability to share data back to the HCPs um, you know, via health records or whatever. Um, but I guess the for me, the underlying point is it's kind of that the uh, difference between push and pull um, and maybe destination versus relevant information at the time. I don't think it's realistic um, and I don't see pharma doing use cases where we're going to be just puking out or pushing out information uh, to patients willy-nilly. A, they're not going to want it and they're not going to think it's relevant. Conversely, I do see uh, situations where the patient is, you know, pinged at the appropriate time or using voice as a channel to feed back small snippets of information back to an overarching health management platform, maybe not one specific to any one drug or any one pharma company. Um, but I think that's part of the overall experience that, that I think is feasible. And so patients may wake up in the morning and, and say, hey, you know, um, smart device, I took my pill just now. And maybe it'll come back with, great, um, you took it at the same time yesterday, or give them some new insight. And so it's it's that push-pull uh, with small bits of information instead of just using it as another marketing channel, which unfortunately can be sometimes the default approach with a lot of companies. But I think if we're smart about it and really keep the patient experience at the center, uh, we'll have more success. So if we take a look at the services and support programs and mechanisms that are already in place by pharmaceutical companies, specifically providing information around dosing, for example, um, you know, the administration of these drugs, how to get it, how to take it, top of mind, top concern for, for patients, caregivers, physicians. Uh, market access, um, formulary coverage for these medications, especially in today's hot insurance market, right? Do I know that my medication will be covered? What are my out-of-pocket expenses? Once I'm taking the medication, what, what do I expect? Uh, adherence and compliance to the medication is really problem number one. So encouraging folks to be motivated and focused on completing their regimen uh, is, a, is a major challenge. 
And companies now provide channels of communication and established content and programs which address these and other specific needs. So where voice can come in effectively, and this is not pie-in-the-sky pie stuff, this is stuff that's already being worked on. Um, you know, I've worked on it with clients as well. To Dave's point, Dan, too, um, there are already pilot programs that are in place. Um, here's where we're going to see the rubber hit the road for the industry, which is dovetailing off of existing platforms and programs and content with the intent of providing this kind of specific support. And where voice is truly wonderful, just like Dan mentioned, is in providing those little snippets of contextually relevant information, right? Um, should I take 100 milligrams or 200? Um, you know, I've taken my medication two days in a row. Um, I'm having trouble on the third, just like Dave mentioned, integrating with wearables and the full omni-channel mix of all the touch points that are available. And, and uh, you know, how can I continue the relationship down the line so that if I have questions, if I have concerns, who do I talk to? Can you connect me with an expert, a medical expert? Can you connect me with someone who could really answer some of these questions? Because as we've seen in, in the voice space, a lot of it is in terms of chatbot automation, right? Question, answer. But there's an epic opportunity, especially within the pharmaceutical in industry, to kind of vet and filter direct customer support relationships between patients, caregivers, physicians, and the medical experts who are best suited, real human beings, to provide that information. So I guess in summary, we've got some big picture opportunities for integration across wearables throughout the continuum of virtual assistance and pharma finding its place. And most specifically, and what I'm confident you'll see probably six months, a year from now, is this utilization of voice tech and the full armamentarium of what's available in terms of digital health technology to, to really triggering, sustaining, and encouraging that direct kind of customer support that is just uniquely perfect for an interface like voice? Uh, clinical trial uh, websites, um, like I think it's like about 11% of them ever, you know, failed to enroll a single patient. Um, and then when you get into trials, you know, the average dropout rate is 30%. So the opportunity to use voice uh, to remind patients um, to, um, to come in for checkups, right? So there's adherence to the trial, to collecting any other, you know, um, sentiment or physical data, right, through voice. And during, the, during that trial, the patient assessment, asking patients, you know, at home, how they're feeling that day. There's just so many opportunities there that we're just also starting to scratch the surface of. Do you think that uh, with a continual connection for a patient in a clinical trial, you'll see better effectiveness from the drugs because of things like compliance, diet, and life habits around the drug they're taking? I mean, I, for one, think it'll br definitely bring efficiencies to just the whole process of um, running a clinical trial. Um, you know, other benefits beyond that, I'll let the other panelists maybe comment on those. There's been lots of technologies, digital technologies to improve adherence to either taking the medication as part of the clinical trial or just getting back information or, uh, you know, uh, attending a, a clinic visit. Um, but I also think there's a huge benefit for capturing patient reported outcomes. Uh, obviously, that's that's critical to any the success of any clinical trial. And to, again, reduce the friction to capturing that. Um, digital has been 
huge in that with apps and other EPRO type mechanisms. But I think voice is just the an, another tool in that arsenal to kind of make that as frictionless as possible. Um, the other point I was going to add is obviously we've talked a lot about voice in the context of the patient point of view, which is spot on and as we should. But I think if, if, if we were going to be what's the longing fruit where there's a lot of applications uh, for voice, we also need to think about the HCP customer and user, as well as even our internal users like Salesforce. We've obviously got a ton of sales reps in cars um, for hours a day. Um, and with the recent announcement from Amazon with the, with the creation of their in-car Alexa device, I think that's going to be another huge um, mechanism for our representatives to be able to get information, feedback information back to the home office. And so I think there's tons of use cases there. Obviously, that's not specific to just pharma. That's kind of any um, industry with a, with a mobile sales force. But I think there we're going to see a lot of innovation as well, especially uh, in the short term. Yeah, and I think the commissioner of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, and it's odd that I would bring him up, but I think it's, you know, to use the phrase that, that's been popular now in this podcast, is contextually relevant. So the FDA, for the first time in its history, not only acknowledges but embraces the digital health revolution. Everything from fast tracking of um, certain medications, especially for orphan communities, to expediting the regulatory process using digital technology to this very, very critical and core clinical trial uh, challenge, but also opportunity in terms of measurement, in terms of adherence, and in terms of even recruiting uh, for these trials, which is always, always a big challenge. So when you look to the evolution of voice tech for the pharmaceutical industry, the precedent has already been set um, ironically by the U.S. government and its own acknowledgement of the urgency and opportunity of using digital in particular, and as we've been discussing here, um, even voice-driven technologies to expedite every aspect of the clinical development and commercialization and customer service associated with the pharmaceutical industry. So we're looking at an imminent revolution. Uh, it's not an if, it's a when. And it's really been uh, an amazing professional privilege, and I'm sure um, you know, the other folks can echo it too, to really be on the cusp of what's going on right now uh, in a way that is really going to provide benefit uh, to hundreds of millions of people. That's a great way to sum that up. Dave, Dan, Spitz, thank you very, very much for joining us for a special pharma edition of The Voice of Healthcare. It's been a privilege having you on the show. Thanks. Thank you. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks for yeah. the opportunity. Of course. And uh, I'll echo Bradley on that. This was a very bright discussion and we're optimistic to see how pharmacy continues to uh, integrate voice with patients and their uh, products. For The Voice of Healthcare, episode 16, thank you for listening, and until next time.